So today's summer soundbite. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do all things. I can do everything. How many of you here, I am a believer that I can do everything? I'm the only one. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude, right? I'm like the guy that's like, hey, tomorrow you need to be a NASA scientist. And I'm like, give me some books. <laughs> give me five minutes on YouTube. <laughs> I, could, I could launch a rocket. <laughs> I just have this high level, disproportionate level of self-belief that I could truly, if I needed to tomorrow, I could do anything, Right. And part of that comes from this confidence that I read the scriptures, like, man, I could do anything. And I want to give you some context of who was writing this and why it was being written. This guy, Paul, we talked about him last week. Paul was writing this book, and he was writing it to the Philippian church. And here's what's so cool about this letter that we read now, we read as a book in the Bible called Philippians, is that the church of Philippi, these Philippians, were really, really, really close relationally to Paul. Like Paul had great relationships all over the region with all these different churches, but the Philippians had this special relationship with him and he was, he was writing them to encourage them. And it was, what's really great about it is he was writing them from a prison. Here's this guy sitting in prison and he's writing them and encouraging them. Hey, thank you for contributing to, you know, when I show up and helping out in the ministry. And Thank you for all these things you're doing. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that God's going to bless you and take care of you. They were struggling a little bit to see how God was going to meet their needs. Can anyone relate? Have you ever struggled sometimes and said like, God, I don't know how you're going to meet my needs, but Lord, you're meeting the needs of my neighbor, but I don't know how you're going to meet my needs. And God, I'm being faithful and I'm, I'm sowing into with Jen generosity and I'm, I'm being obedient and I'm tithing and I'm, I'm, I'm living this life that I'm supposed to. And I, I don't, I don't know how you're going to meet my needs. I'm struggling to see it, but God, I just, I'm feeling maybe a little bit anxious over it and I don't really know what's going to happen. And this is where the, the, the Philippian church was. And the other thing that was happening was they were having trouble living in unity, what Paul says in unity. There was a lot of infighting. They were fighting over things that didn't really matter. Have you ever argued or squabbled over things that when you look back, you're like, what was I even fighting over? It didn't, it didn't even matter. You hear the term, there's no, 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 no sense in crying over what? Okay, if you're willing to get a divorce, if you're willing to quit your job, if you're willing to throw it all into the wind because of some spilled milk, I think maybe this message today is gonna bring some things home for you. That's my hope. That's what Paul was wanting to do. He wanted to bring some things home. And he was saying, hey, listen, I want you to to look at how God has supplied the highest of highs where I had plenty. This is what he says. In moments where I had plenty, And in the moments where I was living in poverty, God always supplied for me. He always gave me the things that I needed. And I'm so thankful to God for that. And and he ends up saying to them, he said, so I I want you to, to imagine living your life the way that you're seeing me live my life. And if I can do all things, now here's the full context of the scripture. If I can do all things, if I can do everything, it's not just that I can do everything in my humanity. I tell you, I'm, I am not gonna suggest to you that you can do everything in your own strength, your own humanity. This is the full context. Paul says to the Philippians, he says, if I can do anything 
through Christ Jesus, who is my strength. So can you. If I can do it, what am I going to say? You can do it. And this is what Paul is saying. Now, here's the misinterpretation. This is the shakedown. This is the lie. The operative pronoun in this scripture that sometimes I focus on in life and perhaps you've had focus on is the pronoun I. So what we sometimes do is we mistakenly say, I just need to buckle down and I can do it. I can make it happen. I can figure it out. I can do this all alone. To the point that, and, and I'm not saying you would ever do this, totally only me. Even when you offer me help, guess what I say? No, I, I could do it. I got it. And help is right next to you going, I can see that you're perfectly capable of drowning because you're drowning. Can I throw you a life ring? Nah, I got it. Because <laughs> I can do anything. Well, you clearly can't swim. So how about you let the garter of life called the life guard, guard your life. And I, I got it. <laughs> It's not a flailing hand. That's me saying, I got it. Okay. There were some groups of people around Paul at the time that were feeding and influencing the church. One of these groups were called the Stoics. Uh, and the Stoics believed this. They believed the DIY. They were the DIY tribe of the time. You know, one of my kids watches like on autoplay DIYs on YouTube and everything is a DIY now. You go into like the Home Depot or the Lowe's. It's like, man, you can just do it yourself. Everyone's like, I can fix that. <laughs> like every person is trying to fix it. And they're just like, make it worse. Or like, you know, you see these epic fails. Like I can make that cake. And people, you know, they put it on YouTube. And they're trying to make that cake. And it doesn't look anything like. So this is, we are living in the time of DIY. But I want you to know this isn't an original truth. That during Paul's time, these Stoics, they were, the, they were the, like the original DIYers. And what they believed was this, in complete self-sufficiency, that you don't need God, you don't need help, you can do everything on your own. If you've ever fallen victim to this mindset, you will be able to attest to this as I can, that it doesn't actually work out that well all the time. The biggest problem is, is that sometimes it does work out, and it tricks us into thinking that it's going to work out all the time for us, but it doesn't. So here's these big influencers saying, you can do all things. But oftentimes what happens is when I believe that I can do all things, this ends up creating anxiety in me. And potentially you've experienced this because this is what happens. In the middle of you going like, I can know. The pastor preached it. I can do everything. This guy Paul was in prison. I, he could do everything. I can do everything. But you end up coming to the conclusion you end up getting a, a, a hint of anxiety and it starts deepening because you realize your inability to truly rely on your own ability. You get to the end of yourself. And you can't understand and you can't see your way forward and you don't know how to fix things. And can anyone relate to being here before? Today we're going to talk about anxiety. I think this is a such a huge thing that needs to be talked about in society today more than ever. And I think what, the, what uh, okay, welcome, this is church. I'm gonna talk about Jesus. And the God who created us, I believe, has 
an enemy. His name is Satan. And I believe Satan as the enemy of God and, and as an enemy of humanity. I believe Satan does this one thing and he does it really, really well. He wants to take and he wants to create these anxious thoughts and this anxious feeling in us. And I want you to know something. Anxiety has roots in, in legitimate concern oftentimes. But let me, let me give you a definition Outside of genuine concern, let me give you a definition of what anxiety is. It's worry, but it's distracting attraction toward someone or something. It's when you're distracted, an attraction, attention, and affection shown toward someone or something. Let me give you an example. Sometimes I prepare a message and sometimes my messages are preparing me. So I'm preparing this message this week and we do a sermon prep call and we're all there together. It's an executive team and we're talking through a bunch of stuff and sharing what we feel like God's doing. And we started talking about like, we had been feeling like we needed to address anxiety because what anxiety wants to do is want, to, want you to know, like keep you hidden and, and like, Pat, don't take it head on. And so I, I think we need, to, we need to run head on into this issue and not shy away from it, especially as the church. So Wednesday, uh, my wife gets a phone call. I had just walked in the door. <clears throat> my wife gets a phone call. And I could hear that sound in her voice. Something was wrong. And one of my kids was on the phone with her. And my wife tells me immediately. She doesn't tell me what happened. She just says, you need to go immediately to this location. This is where this child is at. And um, I arrive at the location only to find that... Um, one of my daughters had suffered a traumatic hand injury, which resulted in crushing one of her fingers. And, you know, as a dad, I walk in and I have to tell you in the moment, um, you know, everything floods my heart and my mind and, you know, clarity starts to go out the window. Have you ever been here before? Okay. And so we deal with the issue uh, and that meant little over five hours in the emergency room, um, which was an experience in and of itself. And so my daughter was alone and she wasn't even in the emergency room proper. She was in a hallway in a bed with this traumatic hand injury. And the ER doctor says to her in the moment, I didn't know this because they wouldn't allow dad to be with her. So I stood for five hours outside of the emergency room and um, my brain just started going a hundred places, right? And in the middle of this, this is what I realized. I realized that um, I couldn't get to her and um, I didn't know how to fix it. And, and, and dad wants to fix everything. I didn't know how to fix it. And so we ended up having to follow up with a plastic surgeon the next day. And it was awesome. And the plastic surgeon was able to save her finger and to reconstruct her finger. And she's doing great. And so you'll see her probably walking around. Um, she's the one with her fingers bandaged up hard to miss. And, um, the genuine concern that I had as a dad turned in the middle of the night when they sent us home in between leaving the ER at 2.30 AM and contacting the plastic surgeon at 9 AM the next morning, didn't sleep. But where my brain went, 
I couldn't sleep because my mind went to like all these what ifs and what was going on and things I couldn't control. And this is, this is what Paul was writing, this level of anxiety to the Philippian church. They were so worried about how they were gonna be provided for and how God was, and this is where I was at as a dad. Sometimes I'm preparing a message and sometimes the message is preparing me. Paul says this in the very same chapter of the very same book. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I clung to this. See, this was already in my head and my heart because I was thinking about like, I'm going to be preaching this on Sunday and then God said, no, I'm going to speak to you right now, standing outside in the cold in the middle of the morning outside of the emergency room and you can't get to your daughter. And what I found out later was is that the doctor, when he approached my daughter, looked at her hand and said, we're going to have to amputate that. And I needed to cling to this. And there's some key things that the Lord was able to bring to mind. And I want to share those with you today. Because I'm going to venture to say that some of you have dealt with, are dealing with, or potentially are going to deal with anxiety. If you're in the room this morning, if you're joining us on our online camps this morning, and you're dealing with anxiety, or you dealt with it, or if this is resonating in, in your heart, can you, can you just do me a favor because of just my extreme vulnerability right now? Could you make me feel like I'm not alone? And if you have dealt with this before, can you raise your hand? Wildly prevalent. Thank you for that. The next three weeks, I'm going to press into this issue of anxiety, and we're going to talk about three things. Number one, we need to reach out, and we're going to talk about that today. Very quickly, I'm going to give you three quick key hits on what the Lord reminded me of in the last four days. But each week, this week, we're talking about reaching out. Next week, we're talking about leaning in. And the third, we're going to talk about going deep. Today, we're talking about reaching out. We're going to reach out to connect. Today, I'm going to give you three quick hits to reach out to connect. Connect to Christ, to connect to clarity, and to connect to community. And these were key components to me managing and the Lord stepping in and calming this daddy's heart. You guys ready? Number one, we need to reach out to connect with Christ. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Anxiety has a way of breeding severe insecurity. If I'm supposed to be able to do anything then why do I feel like I'm helpless? And this is where I stood. If I'm supposed to be able to do anything, God, why, do I, why am I standing outside right now in the dark and I feel helpless? I was doing everything under the sun that you can imagine to convince this head charge nurse that I should be the one exception in the world that should let me into the emergency room to be with my daughter who was all alone. It didn't work. And I was helpless and you know when that helpless thought starts running in your head, it, 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 it just starts spreading. And so rather than stressing out about the strategic how I was gonna convince, this is what God brought me back to. I need to first focus on finding my most significant who. We oftentimes focus on how we're gonna get things done and we need to focus on who it is that we need in order to see something done. And I wanna tell you something. I don't need to look at myself and I don't look, 
need to look at my own strategies and I'm presenting to you that if you're dealing with anxiety, that you are not probably going to untangle the web of anxiety that you feel like you're in. You don't need a how, you need a who. You need a powerful, significant who in your life. And the most significant who you could ever reach out to is your creator, is the God of the universe. Because when I'm feeling insecure and, and living in this time of uncertainty, right? These are, the, these are the words we've been using. This, when you're feeling this way, you need something that's certain. God is immovable. He's faithful. He doesn't change. I love this. Psalms 55, 17 in the message translation says, I call to God. God will help me. That's so simple. I love that. I call to God. I pray to God. I say, God, I don't know what to do. My heart is breaking for my child. I don't know what to do. I call to God and God will help me. I love how simple that is. At dusk, dawn, and noon. I'm glad that that was in there because it let me know that 2.30 in the morning, standing outside the emergency room, no matter what time of day, I could call God and I could ask him to meet me. And it says, and he will hear you and he will rescue you. So prayer is replacing insecurity of anxiety with the security of a God who is faithful and immovable in the midst of your trouble. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Prayer pulls us back into the presence of God when anxiety has drawn us away from God. This is important. We need to reach out. We need to connect to Christ, and we do that in prayer. Number two, we need to reach out to connect with clarity. Psalms 94, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your comfort delights my soul. Whoa, do you know that anxiety, it's like an exponential multiplier of things. It multiplies and it amplifies. It starts out with one, literally, this is what happened. I lay my head down. I try to get some sleep. I know that my daughter's in the other room. Her hand's in a splint. She's still bleeding pretty badly. And there was nothing they could do about it. Had to wait till the next morning. And I lay my head down. And when I lay my head down, all I can think about is, and then... Has anyone ever experienced this? And it's like the one thought multiplies into 10, multiplies into 1,000, multiplies into death. Right? All roads of anxiety lead to imminent death. And I say that kind of jokingly, but isn't that true? God, what if I don't get a pay raise? I'm going to lose my job. What if I lose my job? I'm not going to have food to eat. If I don't have food to eat, I'm, I'm not going to have a house to live in. I'm going to die. I'm going to die from the beautiful weather in Southern California, and I'm not going to be able to eat. And if I don't eat, I'm going to starve, and I'm going to be on the street. No one's going to know, and I'm going to starve to death, and I'm going to die if I don't get a pay raise. Maybe God's like, budget your money. So anxiety is this great multiplier. What if it's, it lives on the horizon? Anxiety lives on the horizon of possibility. What if? What if? So we end up with clouded judgment. This is the language. This is, this is how the dialogue goes. We end up with clouded judgment. We end up paralyzed. All, all of the possibilities that could happen, I'm paralyzed. But none of those possibilities are, are reality. And you need something concrete at that moment. Here's what's important to know on a science, on scientific level. Anxiety, when it hits you, it shuts down the operation of your frontal lobe. 
Frontal lobe is the part of your brain that doesn't fully develop. If you're a male, it fully develops between the age of 22 and 25. Some males, I'm still questioning. I was a late bloomer, so I can say that. Like, I can say that about you and me, but, I, you know, no one else can say that. I, I was like 45. It's the rational part of your brain where you make rational decisions. Like the speed limit says 55 around this corner and you don't go 90. Okay? Females, it develops a little bit quicker. FYI, that's why car insurance for males at a young age is higher because of this science. Boys are more prone to making stupid decisions. They're irrational. Why? Because their frontal lobe isn't developed. Do you know that anxiety, you know what the first thing it does? It doesn't matter how old you are. Guess what it does? Powers it down. So you know when you ask, a, if you ask a teenager or someone, if you're dealing with anxiety and someone comes to you, if you've ever been in this position and somebody goes, what are you thinking? And you're like, I don't even know because you're making irrational decisions. You can't speak rationally to somebody who can't even, they can't even compute rational are you with me? The worst thing that I can hear if I'm dealing with anxiety is like, what are you thinking right now? And think logically and think straight. Like, that was a stupid decision. You're like, my frontal lobe is shut down. <laughs> Be aware of that if you're dealing with somebody with anxiety. Don't approach them with what's rational. Like, don't, like what are you thinking? What we need is, is we need to reach out to connect with clarity, we need something concrete. And here's what I know that I know that I know. At this point, you need to focus on putting one step in front of another. You can't control what's five steps in front of you. The possibilities of those five steps. One step at a time. What, this is the question I want you to ask. What is important right now? This question keeps you from living in the past well, before this, da, 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 I read an article. I saw, I saw someone on Instagram that, okay, don't live in the past. But it also helps you from drowning in, in the future's endless possibilities of what ifs. What is real today, right now, and concrete. The Lord directs the steps of the godly, Psalm 37. God is a God of steps. This is what I love about God. He understands that our finite thinking, we need sometimes, we just need the next step illuminated. That's why in the same book of Psalms, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. The writer of the Psalm is like, God, thank you so much that your word, that the scripture that you've given me, that Jesus Christ, when we call on his name, that every chain will break when we sing the song. Why are we doing that? Because we know that Jesus Christ, that the word, that the scripture that we've been given, the scripture that I'm sharing with you right now, it operates as a guide and a lamp to illuminate one step that you need to take today. And if you're dealing with, and you're in the middle of this right now, and you're having, you're having trouble, and, and, you're, and you have clouded judgment, and you can't see your way forward, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to reach out and connect with Christ. And you say, God, I'm calling out to you. And then you're gonna reach out, and you're gonna connect to Claire. God, I need your word today. I need, I need the encouragement today to show me just what the next thing is to do is. I can't, I don't know what the five things down the road are going to bring, but right now I need to know what to do. And God's like, Pat, I need you to stand outside and I need you to just pray for your kid. And my wife and all of her wisdoms, like we're sitting outside and she goes, you need to pray for everyone else in the hospital too. I'm like, what do you think? I'm a pastor or something? 
Is this making sense? Is this helpful? Okay. Number three, we need to reach out to connect with community. I'm going to have the band come out and join me. We need to reach out. We need to connect with community. Ecclesiastes 4.12. This is such an amazing passage. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. I want to stop right there. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. The enemy's ploy is to separate us at our weakest point, to separate us from the community. This is like primal. You ever watch a lion in the wild? What do they do? They identify whoever is dealing with the most weakness at that point and whatever herd that they're trying to catch prey from and they isolate them. The enemy wants to isolate us from community. The enemy right now, when you're dealing with anxiety, the first thing that happens is the enemy wants to isolate you. It wants to create this level. Anxiety creates and it starts dividing and separating and it creates isolation. You're alone. No one else knows what you're dealing with. Hey, when someone reaches out to you and says, I've noticed that you've, you've been a little bit down lately. You've been struggling lately. You haven't shown up lately. You've been really disconnected. I've noticed these things. Do you know what happens? Anxiety says, don't respond. Anxiety says you just need to ghost them. Anxiety says you just need to go dark on everybody. And you just need to separate yourself. You need to hunker down. You need to call in from work. You don't need to go out in public. You just need to just pull it together. You need to figure out. You need to just rely on yourself. And, 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 and you just need to just, just turn off all the lights and just stay in this darkness. This guy Solomon who wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, says, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So anxiety is increasing isolation exponentially. These are marks. Things that I'm bringing up are, are like triggers that you should be able to go, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. Yes, I'm dealing with that. To, to, to maybe give us insight that I'm dealing with anxiety. The first thing that we need to do, as hard as it is, we need to reach out and we need to connect to community. I, I want to tell you that in that moment, I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. Have you felt that before? The, like, like, like you know when you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, guess what one of the number one things you can tell you sigh a lot and you may not even know it. Why? Because there's, there's like, you're feeling the physical manifestation of that emotional weight and you're like, <sighs> you're trying to get a breath. There's something amazing about the breath of God in our lungs. And maybe, maybe like me, you're, you're sitting in a point right now and you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're really at this point emotionally and mentally that you're like, if one more thing, like one more straw is gonna break my back, I cannot deal with anything else. Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs a person down and an encouraging word cheers a person up. I'm thankful for a few key individuals that are in the middle of the last four days of my wife and I's life and dealing with our beautiful child and what was going on, there was 
a few key individuals that just kept pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. And they know me and they know that my first instinct is to isolate. Come on. I'm just I'm being vulnerable with you. And they pressed on me and they wouldn't let me. But I'll tell you what, here, here's the deal. I had to be willing to reciprocate. Anxiety likes to play the blame game. And it, you know what? If I'm feeling anxious, I need to reach out to connect with community. And so as they pressed on me, I, I pressed back and it was uncomfortable. It, it just was. I didn't like it. Because I was like, I don't want to talk. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm thinking all kinds of things. And I don't really want to deal with having to talk. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't want to talk. I, I'm thinking, I asked my wife this morning, do you think I should even say anything about what happened? She's like, this is real life and what people are going through. And like Paul, I just want to say, I want to say something to you. I'm with you. I'm in the struggle. I'm in the fight. But if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, so can you. Why don't you stand? Why don't you just close your eyes? going to wait a second. It's going to take a minute. Just close your eyes. This is what I want you to do. I want you to just take a deep breath. It's a big breath in through your nose. This is not a yoga session. Big breath in. Just breathe out. I want you to do it again. Take a big breath in and just breathe out. The reason I'm having you do that is because I want that breath that you're taking to remind your spirit that in Genesis, in the very beginning of scripture, it says God created man and then breathed life into him. That the breath that you're taking is cleansing. Why is it cleansing? Because it's the breath that God gave you. There's something that happens physically in your body. And sometimes we just need to stop and pause and just take a breath. Just, I just want you guys to spend some time. Just sit there right now. Sit before the Lord. you to ask this question. Just say this. God, will you meet me right here? Because it says that in scripture that you're close to the brokenhearted, those whose spirits are grieving and crushed. Would you meet me right here in the middle of my anxiety?
you sing this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to implore you not to stay in isolation. This is going to be a stretch for you. But if you're dealing with this right now, could you just come forward? If this is something, and I'm aware that there might be a lot of you, but listen, I refuse to leave this place without taking anxiety head on. If you're dealing with anxiety, come forward. It's okay. into the light, when we bring this into the light, it can't be hidden anymore. The enemy wants this to be hidden in your heart. Yeah. I'm just going to have her, uh, how just sing this chorus over you guys while People are just going to be praying. We're just going to spend some time doing ministry. If you're on our online campus right now, listen for you guys. I want you right now. If you need prayer, if you're dealing with this, can you just real quickly just say, hey, I need prayer. And our stream team is going to is going to attend to you. I don't want you to feel like you're alone and you're separate. We're just going to spend some time worshiping. We're going to call upon the name Jesus.
Lord, we just thank you for what it is that you're able to do when we call upon your name. When we reach out to connect with you, God, that you're going to give clarity. God, I pray right now for a release of clarity for the next step. What is the next most important thing to do? God, and I pray that we would not live isolated and allow the enemy to win in dealing with uh, anxiety, God, that we would reach out and connect with community, that as people even reach out to us, that there wouldn't be this darkness. God, that if if we need, that we need to reach out and tell someone, like, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time. If you're struggling this morning, we have a number I'm going to have them put up right now, that this number is live all week. You can utilize it. You can text in to 760-500-4888. Um, this, is, this is important because we are intentional about fostering an environment where if you need something, you can reach out. And we've been dealing with a lot lately. This number has been used. I want to remind you that there's, there's opportunity for you to reach out. If you need something, utilize this. Father, I pray, God, that you would unveil and pull off the lie of anxiety as we press into this over the next couple of weeks that today we're going to we're going to focus on we're going to reach out and we're going to connect next week though we're going to talk about leaning in you're not going to want to miss this because we're going to start now we're going to start pressing in and moving headfirst toward this issue we're not going to back off so father this week we're going to focus on reaching out reach out to you in prayer. We're going to reach out to gain that clarity. We're going to reach out to community. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.